Uh, as Fiona said, I've recently moved here uh, to Loughborough. Um, I'm Leicester born and bred, so it feels very much like coming home. But we've moved up here from southwest London. I was vicar of a parish called All Saints in Isleworth, uh, which is very close to the Twickenham rugby ground and also the Brentford football ground. So, yeah, lots of noise going on. <laughs> but the patron of our parish at All Saints was the Dean and Chapter of St George's Windsor. That meant that they had the right to uh, have a say in who becomes vicar there. And uh, as such, they invite their vicars in turn to go to uh, the special service for the Order of the Garter. They have about 42 parishes, so um, each vicar has a turn maybe once every six years. And I was fortunate enough to go in June 2018, and it was an amazing day. Uh, Windsor was full of uh, military bands playing, the owner of the guard in their outfits, uh, fanfares with trumpeters, um, yeah, huge great big guardsmen in their red jackets and bearskins. Everything was pointed to the fact that uh, the Queen would be there. So as the procession began to enter the church, the organ played the most amazing voluntary, uh, real sense of occasion. And uh, all the other people who hold the Order of the Garter processed down the aisle. I think I was two or three rows back. Uh, and all of this time, everybody was expecting the Queen to come. And as you look down the aisle, you can see people dropping her a quick curtsy as she was walking past. Now, I don't know how many of you have ever seen the Queen uh, in real life, as it were, but I was a bit disappointed because actually she's so tiny that even though I was only sitting on the second or third row back, all I could see of her was her feather bobbing down the aisle. <laughs> and uh, as I say, I was so looking forward to seeing her. And then the only sign of her presence I had was this feather bobbing up and down the aisle. So there were lots of signs that the Queen was going to be there and in fact was there. In the way that Luke tells this story of the raising of Tabitha from the dead, he gives us four signs, not feathers bobbing up and down the aisle or military bands or things like that, but he gives us four clear signs which point to the fact that it's Jesus that is at work here. It's his resurrection and his resurrection power and glory that actually raised Tabitha from the dead. So let's spend a moment thinking about Tabitha. We actually have a huge amount of detail about her. We don't very often have this much uh, detail about a named individual in the Bible, but Luke gives us a lot of information about her. First of all, her name. He starts off by calling her Tabitha, and then moves to calling her Dorcas. They're the same name. Tabitha is the Hebrew Aramaic name. Dorcas is the Greek name, which uh, a lot of people would have spoken. 
And basically, it means gazelle. And apparently, there is a gazelle, or there was a gazelle, uh, in that part of the world that was called a Dorcas, a Dorcas gazelle. So Tabitha, Dorcas, means gazelle. We know from verse 36 that she lived in Joppa. That's 10 miles northwest of uh, another town called Lydda, which was further inland. Joppa was at the main port for the whole of Judea, but it was on the very edge of Judea. And uh, we're reminded right at the beginning of Acts chapter 1 that before Jesus ascended to his Father in glory, he said to the disciples, you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So here is Peter in Joppa, the very edge of Judean territory. The gospel, the good news of Jesus, is about to spill out into the other nations on earth. Luke also tells us that Tabitha was already a disciple. Somehow the good news of Jesus has already reached Joppa. As I've said, it was the main port for the whole of the country, so it would have had a lot of people travelling through it. Uh, much like in London, a lot of people travel through King's Cross uh, or Heathrow. Um, a lot of people travelled through Joppa. And it's possible that some of them had come from Jerusalem uh, and had brought the Christian faith with them. It's possible, too, that uh, some of the Christian Jews who were escaping Saul's persecution in Jerusalem fled to Joppa and began a new church in Joppa. However it is, we know that uh, Tabitha is already a disciple. And again, Luke does something interesting here which points to uh, how important Tabitha is in the story of the early church. Because uh, he uses an ending of the word for disciple, which is in the feminine. Now in English, we don't have any way of differentiating. We don't have nouns that are male or female or masculine, feminine or neuter. We only have one noun. So we can't differentiate. When we use the word disciple, we can't differentiate between male disciples and female disciples. But in Greek, you can do that. And that's what Luke does. It's the only time it happens in the whole of the New Testament that disciple is used with uh, the feminine ending. And so Luke is emphasising how important Tabitha is in the life of this early church. He tells us that she was doing good and helping the poor. Maybe to her what she was doing seemed insignificant, but as we'll see, it was really important to the people she helped. And she did it to the very best of her ability. And so we come to the scene in the room upstairs. All of the widows are gathered together around Dorcas's body. And on this occasion, they're not the professional Jewish mourners of their day who would be paid to turn up to the scene of a death uh, to wail and sob and cry. These were people who genuinely knew and loved Dorcas. And again, unusually, there's no husband mentioned in relation to Dorcas. 
So it's quite possible that she was a widow herself, supporting uh, other widows in that early church. Those widows showed Peter when he arrived all the clothes that Dorcas had made them. Likely or not, they were wearing them and they sort of gave him a bit of a fashion parade and said, look, you know, she made me this amazing undergarment or she made me this incredible tunic or look at this cloak that she made for me. Those who were sobbing genuinely knew and loved Dorcas. And that's clear in the way that they took the time to wash her body and prepare it for burial. And into this scene arrives Peter. He's been asked to go. We don't know whether um, they thought that Peter might be able to raise Dorcas from the dead. We don't know why they went to Lydda to fetch Peter. But they went and fetched Peter. And as we look through now, we'll see that in the things that he does, in the way that he prays, Peter points to Jesus. He gives four clear signs that it's Jesus at work. The first is that uh, he follows Jesus' example exactly. Uh, we're reminded of the story of the raising of Jairus's daughter. I was really intrigued to see that there's a picture of the raising of Jairus's daughter in the vestry. It's a beautiful painting. But we're reminded of that story, which we find in Mark chapter 5, uh, when Jesus is summoned to uh, go to Jairus's daughter, even though she's already dead. Now, on that occasion, the room was full of professional mourners, those who were weeping and crying and wailing to mark the death of this young girl. Now, Jesus cleared all of those out of the way. He emptied the room of all of those people. And so only her parents, Peter, James and John, went into the room with Jesus but that means that Peter saw exactly what Jesus did when he was called to raise Jairus' daughter. And what he does is to take her by the hand and he says, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And Mark tells us she opened her eyes, she got up and began to walk about. So now we move to the room where Peter is with Tabitha's dead body. And uh, having referred to her as Dorcas, he now reverts to her Aramaic name, Tabitha. And uh, Peter says to her, Tabitha Coon, Tabitha, get up. I don't know what you notice about that, but uh, if you think about it, there's only one letter's difference between what Jesus says to Jairus' daughter, Talitha Coon, and what Peter says, Tabitha Coon. And that's surely not accidental, either on Peter's part or on Luke's part in telling us that that's what Peter said. But in doing that, Peter is making it clear that he is following Jesus' example. He is praying in exactly the same way that he had seen Jesus do. Tabitha Coon, Tabitha, get up, exactly like Jesus said. 
But let's think about the power with which that happened. Jesus just goes to her bedside and he says, Talitha Kum, little girl, get up. It's a command, it's a direct command to her, get up. And he was able to do that because he was the one with the power. He was the one who had the ability to reverse death. We see him doing it again with the raising of Lazarus. He had the power to reverse death and resurrect the dead. But Peter knew that he couldn't do that by his own power or name. He didn't have the power to do that. He could only reverse death and resurrect Tabitha in the power of Jesus, in Jesus' name. Twice already in the book of Acts, we've seen Peter do just that. We think of the crippled man at the beautiful gate in Acts chapter 3, where Peter says, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And uh, with Ineas in Acts chapter 9, immediately before this reading today, uh, he says to Ineas, get up, in Jesus' name. But here, he doesn't say that. But even so, he knows that he can only help Dorcas, Tabitha, by relying totally on Jesus' power. And that's why in verse 40, he knelt to pray. And that itself is unusual, because the usual posture for Jews to pray was, and still is, to stand. Kneeling to pray is a sign of the intensity of prayer. So we're reminded of Daniel in the Old Testament, in Daniel 6, uh, when he prays three times a day to the Almighty God, despite Nebuchadnezzar banning it, Daniel kneels to pray because he's praying really intensely for strength to disobey King Nebuchadnezzar. And so here, Peter does the same thing. He kneels to pray. I mean, including that in the story, Jesus is point, I'm sorry, Luke is pointing to the fact that Peter can only do this in the power of Jesus, that he has to pray to Jesus to do the work because he can't. And when he says to her, Tabitha Coom, she did exactly as Jairus' daughter did. She sat up, she looked at Peter, then he helped her up and started to walk around. But again, the whole point of including Peter needing to pray with intensity is to emphasise the fact that it was the power of Jesus at work in him and through him. I think for us, one of the points of this is the reminder not to struggle to do things in our own strength. We can be very good at that, can't we? Struggling, uh, battling on with uh, things that we might be facing and doing them in our own strength. I sometimes say that the saying doesn't go, uh, keep calm and pray. My saying is more like, worry, then pray. And so we, we often do that, don't we? We worry, we get stressed before we pray. That's a good reminder for us today to do what Peter did, to kneel, to pray, to ask for Jesus' help. 
And maybe that's especially important for you as uh, God's people here at the Good Shepherd as you adjust to life without sin. You may feel overwhelmed at times. You may wonder what's going to happen about the future. You may feel that what you're contributing is actually not very significant, it's not very important. But imagine what can happen when we totally rely on Jesus like Peter did. When we pray with that trust and intensity with which Peter prayed. We see Jesus' power at work in the raising of Tabitha. We can see Jesus' power at work today as we pray and trust him. But then we see that actually what's going on is the salvation of Jesus. Peter was confident of the power of Jesus at work. In verse 40, again, he tells Tabitha to get up. And the word that he's using there, get up, is the same word that's used of Jesus' resurrection. Jesus got up from the tomb and walked around when he rose again. It's the same word. Just as Jesus' resurrection is a sign of death being conquered and new life arriving, so Tabitha's resuscitation, she would die again for real one day, uh, is a visible sign of the new life into which we who trust Jesus are raised because of the power of Jesus' resurrection. Jesus' resurrection for us is salvation because it's through his resurrection that we have forgiveness of sins, new life, and the promise of an eternity in his presence. Some years ago, when I was uh, the vicar of a parish on the edges of Watford, uh, we had an older member of our church. Uh, She was 94 at the time that this happened. She broke her hip and had to go into hospital. And because she was so immobile, she got a chest infection and she was really, really poorly. The family had been told to expect the worst. And so they asked me to go in and uh, pray with her in hospital. They asked me to anoint her with oil uh, and pray for her. Now, we all knew that we were praying for her to uh, have peace with God. And so I did that, and that's what I prayed. I prayed for her, I anointed her with oil, and I prayed that she would know peace with God uh, and be united with him. Much to my complete amazement, a few hours later that day, uh, her son phoned me and said, you're not going to believe this, but she's, she's tons better, she's, mild, she's miles better than she was. She's off the oxygen, she's sitting up. And she went on to live for three or four years after that. None of us were expecting that. But Jesus' resurrection power was at work in those prayers. And uh, her response to that prayer was a visible sign of the salvation of Jesus at work. And that's what we see in this story here. And then finally, we see the glory of Jesus. Luke ends up the story by saying that uh, what Peter did in raising Tabitha from the dead became known all over Joppa. And many people believed in the Lord. 
many people came to faith in Jesus because of Tabitha's raising. Some years ago, I was uh, the member of um, a banner group. We were making banners uh, similar to the ones that you have up here to go up in our church. We were working on a pair that was based on the song The Servant King, From Heaven You Came, Servant King. And so the first of the series was uh, The Glory of God. And we weren't just stitching material on, we were doing all sorts of things. So there was a certain amount of chicken wire and stuffing involved. It was quite complex. And uh, I got home one night with a carrier bag that I hadn't had when I left. So my husband Steve said, what have you got in that carrier bag? To which I answered, the glory of God. And he laughed at the thought of the glory of God in a carrier bag. I don't think so. <laughs> But as Peter discovered, the thing with the glory of God is that it can't be contained. In the transfiguration in Luke chapter 9, when Jesus appeared in glory on the mountain with Moses and Elijah, Peter wanted to build three tents because he wanted to hold on to Jesus' glory. But the thing is, Jesus' glory cannot be held. It cannot be contained. But it always points to Jesus. On the mountaintop at his transfiguration, a voice appeared from the crowd, the crowd saying, this is my son, listen to him. God the Father pointed clearly to Jesus and told the disciples to listen to him. And so it is here with this story of the raising of Tabitha. It's Jesus' glory that is revealed through it. It's not Peter who glorifies him. Peter doesn't boast. He doesn't go around and say, oh, look what I did. I raised Tabitha from the dead. Aren't I amazing? No, that's not what happens. What happens is that Peter points to the glory of Jesus. It's the glory of Jesus that brings people to faith in him when they hear about what's happened. And so again, in praying in the way that he did, in depending totally on Jesus for resurrection power and life, Peter points to him, and the result was that Jesus was glorified, not Peter. So as we think about what that means for us, we may think of occasions like me praying for Mary in hospital, improving and living for more time. We might think of things that we've got to do this week that are challenging that we need to ask for God's help with. Whatever it may be, we can pray that Jesus' resurrection power and life will work in us through his Holy Spirit so that in all that we do and say this week, we point to Jesus and other people come to faith because they see Jesus' power and glory in us, just as people saw Jesus' power and glory in the raising of Tabitha. Let's take a moment to pray and ask God to be with us. <coughs> Heavenly Father, you know that uh, sometimes we struggle on and on to do things in our own strength. 
and that we're slow to turn to you. We pray this week that you will help us to pray just as Peter prayed, that your resurrection power will be at work in us and through us. And Lord, we pray that in all the situations we face this week, that others will see you in us, that we will glorify you in all that we say and do. Lord Jesus, we ask these things in your name. Amen. Amen.